and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heitland, and every week I'm joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Bensinger and Heather Kim. This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast and welcome to our third episode on our Lenten book, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. And like we always say, it is never too late to jump in. So if you're just joining us for the first time, you can jump right in and grab this book and come with us on the journey. This has been quite a journey so far. And tonight, today we're going to talk about the elder son in the painting and the elder son in the story. Uh, but before we do that, um, we actually woke uh, Heather Kim up very early this morning and I'm looking at her beautiful face and I'm very sorry that we had to wake her up to record this podcast. But Heather, I'm so glad you're here. I have come from the <laughs> darkness into the light, and it's so good to see your faces this morning. I mean, it's not the worst thing to see your two lovely mm-hmm. faces mm-hmm. first thing yes, in the yes, morning. Of course, of course. <laughs> I would think that would be, I love you guys. I think that would be the best thing about your day. Like, I mean, I think you just start your day seeing us every morning. Yeah, come on. It, it is. It's pretty it much all downhill from so here, Heather. It's, just, it's, it's all downhill after yeah. that. I just want you guys to feel really good about yourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I love you guys. It's so good to see you this morning. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm enjoying this um, mm-hmm. little Lenten journey that we're on right mm-hmm. now with this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's profound that we can listen to the same scripture over and over and over again over the course of many years, and still there are these insights and golden nuggets in this book that are just jumping out and oh, yeah, so really good. transforming mm-hmm. certain places in my own understanding of the story. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. loving it. I'm loving it. Michelle, what about you, girl? How I'm you good. Going? I am awake and alive, enthusiastic. Glad to see your yeah, two you face. I on do, and girl, girl. You know, I am ready to go. So I have meetings right after this. So uh yeah. I am excited. You know, how are mm. you, sister? I'm doing well. I'm decided, also delighted to jump in this journey with you. And we were just chatting as we always do. We had to cut it short today, but we were like, okay, we got to jump into this. But there were just several quotes that we're going to talk about today and just some other podcasts we were talking about. They're like, oh, we have to talk about that. So we're going to do that today. So our first, we're going to just talk about the return of this or the, the elder son. And first of all, Rembrandt and the elder son, what uh, Henry Nowen speaks about, and then the return of the elder, that elder son leaves and then his return. And um, the quote we're going to use was actually one that just pierced me and Michelle pulled it out in our show notes or in our um, speaking notes. And she said it was this, and it's from uh, where Henry Nowen writes this. He says, joy and resentment cannot coexist. Mm. And uh, when I read that, I was like, oh, that was like a knife to my heart. And when you study the painting of Rembrandt and you see that the son, the elder son is the one standing very primly off to the far right. You'll notice that he's not on the platform with the father and his younger brother. He's by himself a few steps down in a way. And although he's dressed similarly to the father, his countenance is totally different. And it's not radiant or it's not luminous, but it's very reserved and withdrawn. And you see his hands primly folded as he watches kind of with resentment and probably much uh, dismay the return of his little brother who just squandered everything and seeing the father welcome him. So we're going to talk about that part, honestly, in all of us, <laughs> in all of our stories where we we have that part of our own heart. And 
uh, Henry Nouwen beautifully illustrates in Rembrandt's own life, where he had some really deep areas of vice and just deep areas of bitterness and resentment. And and so you could see how skillfully he could paint that part of the painting as well, because like we said, art reveals the heart. And so maybe, Michelle, do you want to talk a bit about kind of that quote for you, join resentment, cannot coexist, and just the painting and as we journey into the, the journey of the elder son? I think it was so interesting. I like when Henry Nouwen says, um, in The Return of the Prodigal Son, even in the painting, it helps him see the uh, great spiritual battle that each of us face. You know, this great Mm -hmm. spiritual battle of trusting the Lord and trusting in his goodness and trusting in his provision. It really comes down to trusting in his love. And when we are rooted in that and trust in his love, then outpours joy, you know? And then the backhand of that is that resentment when we don't trust who he is and don't trust really that he is for us. I think that's the big thing. Like, okay, God is for us. He's not against us. He's not holding out on us. Because I think for me, like resentment is he's not holding out on, he's holding out on me or he's not taking care of me. Like I need you to take Mm -hmm. care of this or this is not what I thought it would look like. And when I think of it, this is not what I thought it would look like. It's usually an area that I have not surrendered fully to him and, you know, Mm -hmm. completeness. And it was really interesting yesterday we were doing an exercise uh, in formation about surrender. And I realized when I was praying through it, the way I surrender is I throw things at God. I throw here, you take it, you have it. Like, <laughs> I don't place things in his hands. And he's like, Ooh, will you please place them in my hand, Michelle? And when I was praying about it, I just got an image of his large hands, like under my little hands and his hands had clay and my little hands had dirt on them, like in a garden, you know? And he's like this, mm-hmm. and he I gently placed these things in his hand. And just even that posture, of um, placing it means it comes out of trust it comes out of knowing who he is and that um, he is faithful and his promises are true you know what about you Heather mm-hmm. yeah even just looking at this Rembrandt image you know it's easy to focus on the younger son as this being the big conversion you know and I, I think about that within myself there's been significant moments of conversion that have happened but they are no bigger uh, than other parts in my heart that uh, where I am in the Father's house, I, I am in His presence, yet mm-hmm. I still am far away from Him. And I think uh, now and in these chapters of the older son is really pointing that out and bringing that idea really close to home in that you know, there are parts of us that are really far away still, even though it may not be this dramatic outward conversion of like, I you know, smell like the pigs that I was hanging out with and I'm coming home. Um, But we see in this figure where he is standing in the light and the darkness at the same time. And I think that this is for many of us where we stand, you know, that there are places of light and darkness within us and yet still we need to come home. And, and it's easy for us to convince ourselves, well, I am home. Here he is. Mm-hmm. Here's the father right mm-hmm. here. I, I am close to God. I go to church on Sunday. I check the boxes. You know, mm-hmm. I check all the boxes. Yet where are our hearts? And that's really what I was pondering as I was reading through this. Where is my heart in these places where I think that I'm home? Yet I'm still mm-hmm. far away. My hands aren't mm-hmm. open. They're closed. Mm-hmm. They're grasped, you know, close to myself. Um, and I'm not trusting. And I think what you said, Michelle, there, like that question of, is God holding out on me? We've talked about this many times because that is the question in the garden that that comes mm-hmm. up for Adam and Eve. And it's a question within our history that will echo around in our own hearts. This this question from the enemy, is God holding out on you, which, which breeds distrust and all yep. of this and the goodness of the Father. Um, I think we all struggle with that, 
You know, there are places within us where we think we deserve something or I'm doing the right thing, God. Like I'm yep. praying all the prayers. Like, <laughs> like when are you going to answer me or when are you going to do what I want? Because I'm doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the big question that I was left with from these chapters on the older son is, am I open to my perspective being changed? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe mm. I've got it all wrong about what I mm-hmm. think I deserve or what God should do or how Ooh, he should girl. answer my prayers. Because the father quickly resolves this with the older son and says, everything I have is yours. You know, like he yeah. he reveals things that the son can't see because of his resentment. So anyway, mm-hmm. sister, what about you? Yeah. Well, I just want to say we could just stop the podcast right here and rewind and, let, like, and listen to you what you just said again, because that was gold so much. And isn't that very true? And I, I love this part where he is speaking about uh, the elder son and Henry now and says, the main observer watching the father embracing his returning son appears very withdrawn. He looks at the father, but not with joy. He does not reach out, nor does he smile or express welcome. He simply stands there at the side of the platform, apparently not eager to come higher up. <laughs> and I think that, um, I know for myself, I, I, I don't know if I've said this before, but I, I realized many years, I know I've been religious life over 20 years now. And like, and I just to realize many things about myself along the way, thank God. But several years ago, I realized that I had made this kind of unspoken agreement with God right as I entered. And I didn't realize this about myself, but it was revealed to me many years later and that I had made an agreement with God that you, I'm going to do this for you. And then you're going to do this for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I felt like God wasn't quote unquote holding up his end of the bargain, I got really angry and mm-hmm. I was very resentful. And I had no idea that that girl was still inside of me, that I had made mm-hmm. a quote unquote a deal with God. And I was horrified and it really caused me and it stole a lot of joy. Like we, we last year we, we talked about um, Father Jacques Philippe's book, The Searching for Maintaining Peace. And I know myself when I find my joy is being stolen, when like the crows come to steal my joy, to steal that fruit of the spirit off off the gar- out of the garden of my soul, it's usually because of something just like that. It's resentment, it's self-righteousness, it's envy, it's jealousy, it's, well, I want this. And like you said, Heather, like I'm doing the right thing. Like I'm a nun for the love of Pete. Like, why don't you show up for me and do what I want <laughs> yes. you to do? And it's, mm-hmm. and it's such a, and I say this with great reverence to myself, it's such an mm-hmm. immature place. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's a it's a little place. It's a little girl like we talked about in the last episode, a little girl orphan place who uh wants what she wants and she wants it now because she did the right quote unquote she did the right thing. And it's yeah. uh it's a joyless place. And I I just I say that just in all honesty, like I really had to ask I'm like, "Oh Lord, whoa, 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 whoa. I had no thank you for revealing that in my heart. I had no idea that that was such an underlying theme of how I was living my life and I just repented the hell out of that. And mm-hmm. I just thought, please, like, please teach me. I'm sorry. Like I had no idea. And it was a way of self-protection. That's what it was. It was a way of me protecting from vulnerability and my deepest desires. And it was an agreement that I made, um, that I had to come out of with my will and ask the Lord to heal and to bring me into a deeper communion, you know? Mm. That's beautiful, sister. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being vulnerable because these are the, the you are modeling what we all need to do, you know, is have mm. a a greater awareness and vulnerability within ourselves, even, you know, as with other people, but but ourselves first to let down the wall and say, what is actually going on in here? You know, mm. because I would like to um 
think that I'm better than other people, you know, mm-hmm. and the mistakes mm-hmm. that they make. And, the, and that's a resistance to me looking at the own, my own stuff, the stuff in my own life. And I've realized that often my complaints about other people, like, why aren't you doing this? Like, I'm doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Like, hold up. Your, we're in this together. Like, play your part. Like, be, mm-hmm. you know, get in there. Like, fight the battle. I'm doing it. You know, that kind of idea that can roll around, like, not off our tongues, but in our hearts. It's rolling around in there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really my frustration with myself. And just the tenderness that you spoke of that part of yourself, I think we need to have, you know, and it's not an acceptance like, well, then you can, you can do whatever you want, but it's Mm -hmm. a, I have to address this part. And I also have to love this part because I have Mm -hmm. to welcome it home and bring it into the father's presence as well, Mm -hmm. you know? So thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing that. Mm, that's so good. And I love what Henry Nowen says. He says, it is true that the return is the central event of the painting. However, it is not situated at the physical center of the canvas. It takes place at the left side of the painting, while the tall, stern elder son dominates the right side. There is a large open space separating the father and his elder son, a space that creates attention asking for resolution. And I mm, love that yeah. part. Just where is that mm-hmm. tension that is asking for res- resolution? Where is it the part of us that needs to return home, like come home to the Father? And it's usually in the place that we are complaining about, are bitter about, oh, our resentment yeah. about. And I was just thinking yeah. about something, and um, I was reading, going back to Esther a couple of days ago, and the Lord was just showing me like her purification process to go to the king. And one of the things that he, they had her do is like bathe in myrrh, and myrrh got um, like helped get away bitterness in your skin, you know, Ooh, and all the bitter roots in your skin mm-hmm. and it's healing. But I was thinking the Lord was just like, okay, bitter roots do not bear good fruit. Mm-hmm. They bear, they um, bear poisonous fruit. There's some kind of poison in them, you know? And so for me, like, okay, what is it in me that needs to go deep in my heart and weed that part out and bring it to the Father? I say, okay, what is the deeper issue here? What's the root system here that is causing me? And you know, it comes out of your mouth. You know, it says, you know, out of the heart, the mouth speak it in scripture. Mm-hmm. It will come out of your mouth, you know? And I knew for me, like something, like there was an area like uh, in my Chris and I were dealing with a certain kid and I said something about him like, okay, like I felt like he wasn't on my side in this situation, you know, and it came out of my mouth. I said, well, you always take his side. And he goes, oh, there's the core issue right there. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you don't feel like, he goes, the core issue is you don't feel like I'm fighting for you in this issue. And he's like, you know, Michelle, we're not at war here, you know, with this child (laughs) we're trying to. But the immature part of me want to be like, yes, we are. And you need to take my side because I'm right. And I'm, you know, like I wanted to like stomp my, you know, foot and cross my arms like a little two-year-old and say, yes, Mm -hmm. I am right. But it Mm -hmm. wasn't. And then it stopped me dead in my tracks. And my response was, okay, you're right. I need to look at this. What is the deeper issue here? You know, and the deeper issue was like, I wanted someone to fight for me in the same area, you know, that that my kid was struggling with and no one did, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, all right, look at the deeper thing. And when we look at the deeper thing, it brings us homecoming. And you know, when you're coming into a homecoming, because it's hard, but there's a peace and where you can exhale and you can rest in the father's embrace. And you're like, oh, there it is. There it is. But like sister was saying before, it takes courage in your heart. Your heart has to have courage to go to those places, but we have to go to those places so we are bearing good fruit, but so that we're fully experiencing the homecoming and the Father's embrace. Mm -hmm. And we really can't come home unless we understand and admit we're lost. 
Exactly. You know, there's no homecoming mm-hmm. unless you know you're lost and you admit it, and then you you make the journey home. I love that he just points out so clearly. He said, not only did the younger son who left home to look for freedom and happiness in a distant country get lost, but the one who stayed home also became a lost man. Yeah. And so, you know, like I'm asking myself, like, where am I still lost? Like, even though I go to church and I am in ministry in the church and all of these various things, like that does not equal a love affair with God, which is what we're called to, right? Like the Christian life is supposed to be this love affair with God. And you can see in the older son, he's not experiencing that. You know, he's not experiencing this like dynamic with the Father, which is just, you know, an acceptance of the unending love and mercy and joy of mm-hmm. being in His presence. Mm-hmm. And um, I could sit here and judge the older son in the story and go, can't believe he did that. <laughs> or I can mm-hmm. say, oh, wow, I have those places that need to come home to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all do. And I, I think sometimes um, people often say, well, you know, everybody has a, a conversion story. It's continual, hopefully, that happens every day. But sometimes people say, well, I don't have like a big conversion story. Like some people have gone out like the younger son and literally squandered everything and hit the bottom and ate with the pigs and come home. And some people have never left the father's house, so to speak, logistically. Like they didn't do that. And it's it's really interesting how Henry now talks about, you know, it's like those people that they want to please and they want to show up and they want to be responsible and they want to do the right thing. And and those are all wonderful and good things. But it's the, it's the underlying heart. And But I think also what we have to understand is that even if we've had a big conversion or if we didn't, quote unquote, ever stray logistically from home, all of us have both of those places within us, you know, where jealousy and rivalry and just a lack of joy for another uh, can can manifest themselves. And I love what he says there and under his under the title, Letting Go of Rivalry. Uh, it's really beautiful because he says, the joy at the dramatic return of the younger son in no way or means that the elder son was less favored or less appreciated or less loved. The father does not compare the two sons. He loves them both with a complete love and expresses that love according to their individual journeys. He knows them both intimately. He understands their highly unique gifts and shortcomings. He sees the love with love, the passion of his younger son, even when it is not regulated by obedience. And with the same love, he sees the obedience of the elder son, even when it is not vitalized by passion. And then he goes on to say, Mm. you know what Jesus like, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And doesn't mm-hmm. it feel like we've talked about many times, like we're fighting over the scarcity of God's love and we don't understand. It's just such a wonderful, unique thing of how God loves each one of us. And there's a, there's a place at the table for each one of us. So when somebody comes home or when somebody's favored or when somebody's, you know, placed in front of the spotlight, it doesn't diminish our place. And it can be so difficult for us to understand that, you know, but in my father's house, there are many mansions and his heart, everybody has a place in his heart that only you can take. Nobody else can take that place. So I just think like kind of settling into that and like like marinating in that, it's just a great spiritual practice for all of us. It's like an open heart massage where our heart's mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. And not only do we have a place at the table, it is like completely ordained for us. It has like our name card mm-hmm. on it. It is set yes. place. Like we don't have to fight for our place at the table. We don't have to elbow someone in and say, hey, can I sit here? Mm-hmm. It's already set for us. The place is already set. And I think um, we feel like, okay, if I do this and this and this, then I've earned the right to be at the table or people will yes. pay attention to me yep. at the table or whatever it is, but it doesn't. It's already set before you. He, you know, it says in scripture, he, you know, he sets a table before my enemies and hopefully your table is not with your enemies 
enemies. It's with your friends, but you know, like, and the people that love you, but this is what he's already gone before us. But I think going back to that thing about maturity, I love, there's a quote from Dorothy Day that I love. It says, most cradle Catholics have gone through or need to go through a second conversion, Mm -hmm. which binds Mm -hmm. them with a more mature love and obedience to the church. And I think that's the thing, because I think we're like, but we're like, I'm already home. I've, you know, I've, don't have this big conversion story. Like I've always been faithful. And my question to myself is I'm home, but am I present? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we can do it with our own house. Okay. I'm in my house, but am I present to the people around me? Am I really, truly present? Am I really fully engaged? Am I living fully into this? You know, am I tangibly living sacramentally where it's like tangible signs? So we can be home, but are we present? And are we fully alive in the Lord's presence and the Father's presence? And actually in our own houses, are we fully alive and Mm -hmm. loving the people around us? Because that will be telling us if we're fully alive in the Lord right there. That's Mm -hmm. a telltale sign right there. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I I can see just like this pharisaical spirit in the older son, which I think Mm -hmm. is very prevalent in the church. And, you know, there are parts in all of us that have that, that think that we are righteous, that because of the things that we do well, um, that somehow we are we are better than others. And uh, now in points this out, he says, there's so much resentment among the just and the righteous. Mm, yes. There's so much judgment, condemnation, oh, and prejudice among the quote-unquote saints. <laughs> there's so much frozen anger among the people who are so concerned about avoiding sin. You know, Mm, it's like I'm doing it so right, I can't even see my own sin. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on later to say this beautiful comment. He's like, This is not a story that separates the two brothers into the good one and the evil one. The father only is good. Mm -hmm. Mm, I just think that that's it's so, it's so good. It's like right Mm -hmm. when we think that we're, that we're good, we've fallen again Mm -hmm. from understanding Mm -hmm. who alone is good and who is the giver of every good thing. And that nothing Mm -hmm. we do on our own power, Mm -hmm. nothing we do on our own power is really that great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only, it's only God that is good. Mm -hmm. And I think that humility and dependence and the littleness like is, is essential that we grow in each of us. And it is a discipline, you know, now one goes on to talk about the discipline of gratitude and trust Mm -hmm. that is essential for the healing of the elder son within all of us. You know, there are disciplines that we can cultivate. And at the same time, as we work per se, it's a complete surrender to, I can't do this. I can't heal myself. I can't fix these parts. Like I have to surrender yeah. to the merciful father alone and to a relationship mm-hmm. with him that alone that can heal, mm-hmm. like coming into an embrace. Mm-hmm. The older son needs to come into an embrace just like the, the younger son. Mm-hmm. Mm. So my question to you both is, how do you practice gratitude? What does it look like for you to practice the discipline of gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. in our own lives? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think for me, when I recognize a spiral of like things that aren't going right or things that aren't going right or my own complaints, like that's when I need to worship. And just the other day, I think I was sharing with Mm -hmm. both of you the other day that I was in the car, I was feeling crummy. I was having, I was in a bad mood. I woke up like not feeling great. I hadn't had a good sleep. The kids were bugging me. Everything was bugging me. You know, it wasn't anybody's fault, but I was like, okay, time to worship. Mm -hmm. Like just time to give thanks to God for who he is and acknowledge his greatness and my littleness mm-hmm. where I'm not great. Mm-hmm. So gratitude for me is um, something that I'm learning as a weapon as well as something, a discipline. That's mm. so true. You know? 
Yeah. It breaks through the darkness and the spirals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think also what you were saying, Michelle, earlier of the surrendering of these parts of our hearts and to, to really ask the Holy Spirit to see what's growing on your tree, you know, and I think we can kid ourselves and say, I'm doing this, but then what's growing on your tree? Is it joylessness? Is it resentment? Is it complaining? Is it judgment? Like, and to be very honest about that, because as those are the places, like Henry Nowen says later on, like, I can't fix those places in myself. Like, I must surrender them, which like what you were saying to Michelle at the very beginning is not just throwing them at his feet and saying, Lord, you take care of this. But the those are very tender parts. We do those things because we are wounded and they they cover some very, very tender parts of our hearts. And just to allow the Lord to say, Lord, I see myself, I, I'm resentful here, or I'm complaining, or I don't understand the situation, you know, and and help me with these things. And I, I, it might seem silly people to people, but I thank God out loud all the time for the smallest things. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I do. I say it out loud, and and I'm I'm in the practice mm-hmm. now of really thanking God even for the difficult things. Like something happened last week that was really really difficult, and I was crying, but I was and I said out loud, Jesus, thank you so much for this. Thank mm-hmm. thank you, because. If this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have known this about my heart, and I want to be well. Mm-hmm. So I'm. This is really hard right now, but I'm really grateful. So just want to thank you for going, just for making this happen and revealing this part of my heart, so that you could come in and speak the truth. You know, mm-hmm. just like a, mm-hmm. I do it out loud. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful, sister. And I think when we have that attitude of true gratitude, it it um, unveils something about our hearts. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it unveils um, like the tender places in our hearts, and it allows us to present them to the Father and present them, you know, to Jesus and to take them. And I know for me, it is ju- it is also saying things out loud. It's also affirming other people. Like I love to call it yes. other people's giftedness, you know, mm-hmm. and saying that because there's something about that oh. that I feel like brings something forth. It brings life forth. And it comes, Mm -hmm. the blessing comes back forth to me. Like it brings something as women, especially we are life givers. So when I speak words of life out of my mouth, there's some power to that. And I feel like the blessing comes back to me also. On the flip side, when I speak not words of life, I can feel it almost chains me. It bounds me. Mm -hmm. It, um, you know, it binds me up and I need to um, look at that. And I also think, the more you mature in the spiritual life, the littler you become and you realize, you know, it also keeps you really humble because then you see the different parts of your um, heart that have darkness. You see the different areas that you haven't surrendered. You see your sinfulness. You see your woundfulness. And it was interesting. Uh, I went to something, a meeting, and it was a lot of very smart, educated, theological people. And they would love to tell you their degrees and their books and all that kind of stuff. And I had come in late. And they're so just, they're so, it was so funny. And I was just in a mood anyway. Um, like, <laughs> It was just the state. They're like, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And it was so funny. And I just looked, you know, and I could tell like what the atmosphere was. And I just sat down in the chair and said, I'm just his. That's all I've got. I'm just his. And he can use me whatever way he wants. And they all just got really quiet. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And this older priest goes, that's the best thing I've heard in a while. Like it got quiet for a minute. And he's like, that's the best thing I've heard in a while. Because I was like, I had nothing right then. And I mean, I could go over my list of attributes of things that I've done, but that's not who I am, you know? And I even asked a question to one of the girls that I'm discipling. I said, tell me who you are without telling me what you do, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it was, and then that's when you can see where the father is at work, you know, where he is cultivating our identity, where we are, his beloved daughters and sons. 
you know, where, where we are home. Yeah. And what I love, Michelle, is that the background lead up to that moment, you know, it didn't just, it's not like, oh, yay, Michelle, that was really insightful and way to put everybody in their place. That's not what you're saying at all, because I know the journey for you and really diving into your own stuff and doing the work and going to counseling and all the things that we've been talking about, um, has brought you to a place where you understand your littleness and you are just God's. You know, like it mm-hmm. took a lot to get there is what I'm saying. Like it didn't just happen. Oh, and that's gosh, inspiring. No. That's inspiring to me. It's inspiring to to everybody who knows you that mm-hmm. that the work is bearing good fruit and the good fruit is littleness so that you can accept more of who God is. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it very much. I think just to wrap up, I, I would love us to just talk for a moment about comparison because I think this is something that women, I mean, humanity yeah. deals with a lot, but you see the in the elder son, his comparison between the younger son and him. It's like, well, look at him. He did all this. And I've been here this whole mm-hmm. time. But I think comparison is a real struggle, especially for women, how we compare ourselves we in lots of different ways yep. to each other. You know, It's like, well, look at her. And we either feel terrible about ourselves mm-hmm. or we try to make ourselves feel better mm-hmm. at the expense of another person. And Michelle, just what you were saying, I was thinking the same thing. When we call out goodness in other people, mm-hmm. that also is a weapon to protect us against comparison, which is so divisive and so destructive and really tears away at that experience of family with one another, that we belong to each other. You know, yes. it sets us in division against each other. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you all have any thoughts on that topic mm-hmm. just before we end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in this different struggles that I've had over the years with certain women and just like particular women will trigger different things in me depending on where I am in my healing journey. And I think to look at the root of what's really happening and like, what is the fear underneath? You know, what is the fear? Like, and it, many times it has old roots, it's old stories, it's fascinating. And it's it's that fear, I'll be left alone, I'll be abandoned. Um, what happened to me as a teenager is going to happen again, you know? And then it's just sometimes our sin of like wanting to be the best. Well, I want to be the best. I want to be the best in the room. I want to be the best at this. I want to, so it's like the other side of, of self-protection. And I just really uh, have learned more and more to listen. Like when I, that, when that temptation arises, like when that scent on the breeze comes around of just knowing that's not the voice of the Lord. That is not Jesus. Jesus has never asked me to be jealous of another woman. (laughs) He's never asked me to compare myself. He's never asked me to, that is my own brokenness. And that is the voice of of Satan, of of the one who steals, kills and destroys. And I think to Mm -hmm. allow Jesus to like, Jesus speak to me of who I am. Cause that's really ultimately what the story of the two sons is about. This is, we talk about their behavior, but that's not who the father sees. The father sees both of his sons. They're both his. Mm. And that's what he says. He's like, "Uh, everything and that's what Jesus says to us when we struggle with comparison or we struggle with the pig feed. He's like, every, you are with me always, and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And I think going back to the truth and announcing that, renouncing the lies of whatever that is for you, rejection, abandonment, fear, whatever that is, whatever that is, and then announcing the truth, I am in the name of Jesus Christ, God's beloved daughter. It's been marked in my soul objectively by my baptism, and I belong to him, and he does not compare me. And like, Lord, speak to the pain here. Speak to the fear of where I'm going to be left out or forgotten or left behind. Mm. And that that's hard at times. And then help me bless that woman, that she can be as beautiful as she is with all her gifts, and that is wonderful, and amen. Mm. And she She's got a seat mm-hmm. at the table and I have a seat right next to her. And both of us are loved by you, just like the two sons, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And knowing just God doesn't compare what he creates. Yes. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.
I do. Well, ladies, that was quite a discussion. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> really yeah. good. Yeah, I know it's hard to put an end to it because we could keep talking, but mm-hmm. praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, dears, shall we talk about our one things for the week? Heather, would you like to bless our audience with your one thing? Sure. Actually, my one thing is something I just got in the mail, mm-hmm. which is from our Abiding Together shop, for those Yay. of you who don't know. Um, it's the Quit Talking to the Dang Snake mug, which <laughs> is a quote that. from Father Justin. So uh, Father Justin Brady, for those of you who missed it, we did this interview with our good friend Father Justin in December, and he was just talking about you know not listening to the eyes of the enemy, or not listening to the lies of the enemy, and he had this quote in there that said, quit talking to the dang snake. So we put that on a mug and had this that's really so, sweet that's design sell in a second. of little, mm. little combat boots mm. stepping on a snake. <laughs> so... That arrived in the mail, and I was just so so happy to see it. I was like, "Oh, I know. that's so awesome!" I love drinking out of it. It makes you yeah. feel so good. Yeah, I know, and it's such a great reminder too. Like I was just had a little glance over it. I'm like, "Oh, right, quit talking to the dang snake!" Like, what am I doing yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. So anyway, if anybody wants to check out the things in our shop, it's abidingtogetherpodcast.com/slash/shop. Michelle, what's your one thing? My one thing is, and this when it airs, it's going to be the start of it. Is um, okay. I'm really getting into college basketball. I usually oh, girl, don't. last night you were freaking mm. out over Auburn. That was so great. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh! But Auburn's men's basketball is doing really well this year, and I'm loving it. And they've like it. had this time when it airs, they've won like three times in overtime games. Mm. And um, I like, I like my family like watches me like scream at the TV, and so they thought it was just for college football. But I'm growing. I'm expanding. To, and March Madness that is the only time I used. To watch college basketball, <laughs> but now I started a little bit earlier, and I'm just yeah. I mean, we may have to have a biting together brackets, but just saying for March Madness. <laughs> but that's fun. all right. We should totally do that. We've got yeah. tons of listeners so, who would totally that's t- <laughs> totally do that. And so let's see who's gonna that's win. So and so, all right, sister, what about you? That's totally fun. Um, I was actually doing some research on cellular memory and fetal cells in the mother uh, after she becomes pregnant, and I found this really neat video. And I know we all have an idea of how how we're formed in the womb, but I found this really simple video that actually does like a whiteboard drawing of what happens month by month as we as we grow in the womb. Mm. And it was so well done and just so beautiful. I just want to offer that to our listeners. The human person is fascinating, how God has created us and Amen. how we grow and how we're conceived and just how the, the a child develops in the womb. And what we it's, it was just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so I just want to offer that that's to our awesome. listeners, just the beauty of life and just the beauty of the human person. Wow, that's awesome. I love so that. Yeah, oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's really great. So, well, dear listeners, um, we are... Are with you on the journey and all the the elder parts of us, yes, that perhaps are home but are not home. We just uh, just encourage you to surrender more deeply to the Father uh, this week and wherever He's calling you, because He is with you always, and everything that He has is yours. So, until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. 
Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization and donations are tax deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather, and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support and may God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you.